Chapter Six of *The Men in the Walls* by William Tin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six. His spears taken from him, his arms bound securely behind his back by the thongs of his own knapsack, Eric was pushed and prodded into the great central burrow of mankind. The place was almost unrecognizable. Under the direction of Otil, the chieftain's first wife, a horde of women, what seemed at first like the entire membership of the female society, was setting up a platform in front of the royal mound. With the great scarcity of any building materials that mankind suffered from, a construction of this sort was startling and unusual, yet there was something about it that awoke highly unpleasant memories in Eric's mind. But he was pulled from place to place too fast, and there were too many other unprecedented things going on for him to be able to identify the memory properly. Two women, who were accredited members of the female society, were not working under Otil's direction, he noticed. Bound hand and foot, they were lying against the far wall of the great central burrow. They were both covered with blood and showed every sign of having undergone prolonged and most vicious torture. He judged them to be barely this side of death. As he was jerked past, he recognized them. They were the two wives of Thomas the Trap Smasher. Just wait until his uncle got back. Someone would really pay for this, he thought more in absolute amazement than horror. He had the feeling that he must keep the horror away at all costs. Once let it in, and it would soak through his thoughts right into the memory he was trying to avoid. The place was full of armed men, running back and forth from their band captains to unknown destinations in the outlying corridors. Between them and around them scuttled the children, fetching and carrying raw materials for the hard-working women. There was a steady buzz of commands in the air. Go to! Bring me some! Hurry with the! That mingled with the smell of many people whose pores were sweating urgently. And it wasn't just sweat that he smelled. Eric realized, as he was dragged before the royal mound, it was anger, the anger and fear of all mankind. Franklin, the father of many thieves, stood on the mound, carrying unaccustomed spears in his fat hands, talking rapidly to a group of warriors, man-captains, and, yes, actually, strangers. Even now Eric found he could still be astonished at this fantastic development. Strangers? in the very midst of mankind, walking around freely and bearing arms. As the chief caught sight of Eric, his face broke into a loose-skinned smile. He nudged a stranger beside him and pointed at the prisoner. "'That's him,' he said. "'That's the nephew, the one that asked for the third category theft. Now we've got them all.' The stranger didn't smile. He looked briefly at Eric and turned away. I'm glad you think so. From our point of view, you've just got one more. 
Franklin's smile faded to an uncertain grin. Well, you know what I mean. And the damn fool came back by himself. It saved us a lot of trouble, I mean, didn't it? Receiving no answer, he shrugged. He gestured with flabby imperiousness at Eric's guards. You know where to put him. We'll be ready for them pretty soon. Again the point of a spear stabbed into Eric's back, and he was forced forward across the central space to a small burrow entrance. Before he could reach it, however, he heard Franklin, the father of many thieves, call out to mankind, "'There goes Eric, my people. Eric the only. Now we've got the last of the filthy gang.' For a moment the activity stopped and seemed to focus on him. Eric shivered as a low, drawn-out grunt of viciousness and hatred arose everywhere, but most of all from the women. Someone ran up to him, Harriet the history-teller. The girl's face was absolutely contorted. She reached up to the crown of her head and pulled out the long pin held in place by a few knotted scarlet hairs. About her face and neck the hair danced like flames. "'You alien sciencer!' she shrieked, driving the pin straight at his eyes. "'You filthy, filthy alien sciencer!' Eric whipped his head to one side. She was back at him in a moment. His guards leaped at the girl and grappled with her, but she was able to get in one ripping slash that opened up almost all of his right cheek before they drove her away. "'Leave something for the rest of us,' one of his guards pleaded, the cause of reason, as he strolled back to Eric. "'After all, he belongs to the whole of mankind.' "'He does not!' she yelled. "'He belongs to me, most of all.' I was going to mate with him when he returned from his theft, wasn't I, mother? There wasn't anything official, Eric heard Rita the record-keeper admonishing as he tried to staunch the flow of blood by bringing his shoulder up and pressing it against the wound. There couldn't be anything official about it until he'd achieved manhood. So you'll just have to wait your turn, Harriet, darling. You'll have to wait until your elders are finished with him. There'll be plenty left for you. There won't be, the girl pouted. I know what you're like. There won't be hardly anything left. Eric was shoved at the small burrow entrance again. The moment he was inside it, one of his guards planted a foot in his back, knocking the breath out of him. The kick propelled him forward, staggering wildly for balance, until he smashed into the opposite wall. As he fell, unable to use his arms to cushion himself, he heard laughter behind him in the great central burrow. He rolled on his side dizzily. There was a fresh flow of blood coming down from his cheek. This wasn't the homecoming he'd imagined after his theft. Not in the slightest. What was going on? He knew where he was. A tiny, blind-alley burrow off mankind's major meeting-place, a sort of little vault used mostly for storage. Excess food and goods stolen from monster territory were kept here until there was enough accumulated for a trading expedition to the back burrows. Occasionally, also, a male stranger, taken prisoner in battle, 
might be held in this place until mankind find out if his tribe valued him enough to pay anything substantial for his recovery. And if they didn't... Eric remembered the unusual structure that the women had been building near the royal mound, and shivered. The memory that he'd suppressed had now come alive in his mind, and it fitted with the way Harriet had acted, and with what her mother, Rita, the record-keeper, had said. They couldn't be planning that for him. He was a member of mankind, almost a full warrior. They didn't even do that to strangers captured in battle, not normal strangers. A warrior was always respected as a warrior. At the worst, he deserved a decent execution, quietly done, except for... except for... No! he screamed. No! The single guard who'd been left on duty at the entrance turned around and regarded him humorously. Oh, yes, he said. Oh, definitely yes. We're going to have a lot of fun with both of you as soon as the women say they're ready. He nodded with ominous, emphatic slowness and turned back to miss none of the preparations. Both of you? For the first time, Eric looked around the little storage burrow. The place was almost empty of goods, but off to one side, in the light of his forehead glow lamp, how proud he had been when it had been bestowed on him at the doorway to monster territory. He now saw another man lying bound against the wall. His uncle. Eric brought his knees up and wriggled rapidly over to him. It was a painful business. His belly and sides were not calloused and inured to the rough burrow floor like his feet. But what did a few scratches more or less matter any more? The trap-smasher was barely conscious. He had been severely handled, and he looked almost as bad as his wives. There was a thick crust of dried blood on his hair. The haft of a spear, Eric guessed, had all but cracked his head open, and in several places on his body, his right shoulder just above his left hip, deep in his thigh, were the oozing craters of serious spear wounds, raw and unbandaged. "'Uncle Thomas,' Eric urged. "'What happened? Who did this to you?' The wounded man opened his eyes and shuddered. He looked around stupidly as if he had expected to find the walls talking to him, and his powerful arms struggled with the knots that held them firmly behind his back. When he finally located Eric, he smiled. It was a bad thing to do. Someone had almost smashed in most of his front teeth. Hello, Eric, he mumbled. What a fight, eh? How did the rest of the band do? Anybody get away? I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. I came back from my theft. You were gone. The band was gone. I got here and everybody's crazy. There are strangers out there, walking around with weapons in our burrows. Who are they? Thomas, the trap-smasher's eyes, had slowly darkened. They were fully in focus now, and long threads of agony swam in them. Strangers? he asked in a low voice. Yes. 
There were strangers fighting in Stephen the strong-armed band, fighting against us. That chief of ours, Franklin, he got in touch with strangers after we left. They compared notes. They must have been working together, been in touch with each other for a long time. Mankind, strangers, what difference does it make when their lousy ancestor science is threatened? I should have remembered. What? Eric begged. What should you have remembered? That's the way they put down alien science in the other rising long ago. A chief's a chief. He's got more in common with another chief, even a chief of strangers, than with his own people. You attack ancestor science, and you're attacking their powers, chiefs. They'll work together then. They'll give each other men, weapons, information. They'll do everything they can against the common enemy, against the only people who really want to hit back at the monsters. Oh, I should have remembered. Damn it all. The trap smasher groaned through his ruined mouth. I saw that the chief and O'Teal were suspicious. I should have realized how they were going to handle it. They were going to call in strangers, exchange information, and unite against us. Eric stared at his uncle, dimly understanding. Just as there was a secret organization of alien sciencers that cut across tribal boundaries, so there was a tacit, rarely used understanding among chiefs, based on the ancestor science religion that was the main prop of their power and the power of the leaders of the female society, come to think of it. All special privileges were derived from their knowledge of ancestor science. Take that away from them, and they'd be ordinary women, with no more magical abilities than was necessary to tell edible food from monster poison. Grunting with pain, Thomas the Trap Smasher wormed his way up to a sitting position against the wall. He kept shaking his head as if to jar recollection loose. "'They came up to us,' he said heavily. "'Stephen the Strong-Armed and his band came up to us just after you'd gone into monster territory. A band from mankind with a message from the chief who suspected anything. They might be coming to tell us that the home burrows were under attack by strangers. Strangers!' he gave a barking laugh and some blood splashed out of his mouth. <laughs> they had strangers with them, hidden all the way behind in the corridors. Mobs and mobs of strangers. Eric began to visualize what had happened. Then, when they were among us, when most of us had reslung our spears, they hit us. Eric, they hit us real good. They had us so much by surprise that they didn't even need outside help. I don't think there was much left of us by the time the strangers came running up. I was down, fighting with my bare hands, and so were the rest of the band. The strangers did the mopping up. I didn't see most of it. Somebody handed me one hell of a wallop. I never expected to wake up alive. His voice got even lower and huskier. I'd uh, have been lucky not to. 
The Trap Smasher's chest heaved. A strange, long noise came out of it. Oh, 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 they brought me back here. My wives. They were working on my wives. Those bitches from the female society. O'Teal, Rita. This part of it is their business. They had my wives pegged out, and they were working on them in front of me. Oh, I was blanking out and coming to, blanking out and coming to. I was conscious while they— He dropped to a bloody mumble again, his head falling loosely forward. His voice became clear for a moment, but not entirely rational. They were good women, he muttered. Both of them good, good girls, and they loved me. They had their chance to become more important. A dozen times Franklin must have offered to impregnate them, and they turned him down every time. They really loved me. Eric almost sobbed himself. He'd had little to do with them once he'd reached the age of the warrior initiate. But in his childhood they'd given him all the mother love he ever remembered. They cuffed him and caressed him and wiped his nose. They told him stories and taught him the catechism of the ancestral science. Neither had sons of his age who had survived the various plagues and the monster-inflicted calamities that periodically swept through mankind's burrows. He'd been lucky. He'd received much of the care and affection that their own sons might have enjoyed. Their fidelity to the Trap Smasher had been a constant source of astonishment in mankind. It had cost them more than the large healthy litters for which the chief had a well-proved capacity. Such eccentric, such non-womanly behavior was, had inevitably denied them the high positions in the female society they would otherwise have enjoyed. And now they were dead, or dying, and their surviving babies had been apportioned to other women whose importance would thereby be substantially increased. "'Tell me,' he asked his uncle, "'why did the female society kill them? What did they do that was so awful?' He saw that Thomas had lifted his head again and was staring at him. "'With pity.' He felt his own body turn completely cold, even before the trap-smasher spoke. "'You still won't let yourself think about it. I don't blame you, Eric. But it's there. It's being prepared for us outside.' "'What?' Eric demanded, although a distant part of him had already worked out the terrible answer and knew what it was. We've been declared outlaws, Eric. They say we're guilty of the ultimate sacrilege against ancestor science. We don't belong to mankind any more. You, me, my family, my band. We're outside mankind, outside the law, outside religion. And you know what happens to outlaws, Eric, don't you? Anything goes. Anything. End of chapter 6